0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday, Halloween, October 31st, 2023 Board of Supervisors meeting. Madam Clerk, could you please call the roll?
1: Thank you, Mr. President. Supervisor Chan. Yes. Chan present. Supervisor Dorsey. Present. Dorsey present. Supervisor Engardio. Present. Engardio present. Supervisor Mandelman. Present. Mandelman present. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar present. Supervisor Peskin. Present. Peskin present, Supervisor Preston. Preston not present, Supervisor Ronan. Ronan present, Supervisor Safayi, Safayi present, Supervisor Stephanie. Stephanie present, and Supervisor Walton. Walton present. Mr. President, you have a quorum.
0: Thank you, Madam Clerk. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors acknowledges we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatushaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as first peoples. Colleagues, please join me in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Colleagues, can we have a motion to excuse Supervisor Preston made by Supervisor Chan Seconded by Supervisor Walton, and we will take that without objection. Supervisor Preston is excused. Madam Clerk, do you have any communications?
1: Yes, Mr. President. The Board of Supervisors welcomes the public to attend this meeting in person in the Legislative Chamber in City Hall, second floor, room 250. This meeting is airing live on SFGOV-TV's Channel 26, or you may view the live stream at www.sfgovtv.org. Alternately, you may submit public comment in writing in either of the following ways. Email your comments to bos at sfgov.org. If you do submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the members and included as part of the official file. You may also send written comments via the U.S. Postal Service to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, the number one, Dr. Carlton capital B period, Goodlett Place, City Hall, room 244 in San Francisco, California, 94102. If you need to request a reasonable accommodation under the ADA, contact the clerk's office at 415-554-5184. Uh, our office did not receive a request for language interpretation, therefore we do not have interpreters at today's meeting. As a reminder, If you do anticipate a future need for language interpretation please give the clerk's office a phone call at least 48 hours in advance of the meeting pursuant to the administrative code section 91.7 and call 415-554-5184 thank you members thank you mr president
0: thank you madam clerk colleagues can we have a motion to approve the board meeting minutes of september 26 motion made by supervisor mandelman Seconded by Supervisor Walton. On that motion, a roll call, please.
1: On the minutes, Supervisor Safayi. Safayi, aye. Supervisor Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, <coughs> aye. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, aye. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Dorsey, aye. Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, aye. Supervisor Peskin? Aye. Peskin, aye. And Supervisor Ronan? Ronan, aye. There are 10 ayes.
0: The minutes will be approved as presented after public comment. (laughs) Madam Clerk, could you please read the consent agenda?
1: Items one through eight are on consent and considered to be routine. If a member objects, an item may be removed and considered separately
0: would any member or members like an item or item severed seeing none a roll call actually we'll take that same house same call the ordinances are passed on first reading finally passed and resolutions adopted next item please
1: item 9 was referred without recommendation from the land use and transportation committee Item 9 is an ordinance to amend the planning code to charge the zoning controls in the Castro Street Neighborhood Commercial District to exclude Article 10. Uh, I'm sorry, I said charge the controls, but I meant to change the zoning controls. uh, Pursuant to the Castro District Neighborhood Commercial District to exclude Article 10 landmark buildings from use size limitation and allow nighttime entertainment with a conditional use authorization on the second floor and to affirm the secret determination and make the appropriate findings roll call on item nine supervisor safagi aye. safagi I, supervisor stephanie stephanie I, supervisor walton aye. walton I, supervisor chan aye. chan I, supervisor dorsey Dorsey I, Supervisor Engardio. Aye. I, aye. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. I, Mandelman, Supervisor Melgar. Melgar, I, Supervisor Peskin. No. Peskin, no, and Supervisor Ronan. Ronan Aye. There are nine ayes and one no with Supervisor Peskin in the dissent.
0: The ordinance is finally passed. Next item, please.
1: Item 10 is an ordinance to amend the administrative code to remove the authorization for cash revolving funds for certain city departments and to reduce the maximum amount of the cash revolving fund for the Port of San Francisco. Roll call. On item 10, Supervisor Safayi. Safayi, I. Supervisor Stephanie. Aye. Stephanie, I. Supervisor Walton. Aye. Walton, I. Supervisor Chan. Aye. Chan, I. Supervisor Dorsey. Dorsey, I. Supervisor Engardio. Aye. Engardio, I. Supervisor Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, I. Supervisor Melgar. Aye. Melgar, I. Supervisor Peskin. I. Peskin, I. And Supervisor Ronan. Ronan, I. There are 10 eyes
0: The ordinance is finally passed. Next item.
1: Item 11 is a resolution to retroactively approve the Seventh Amendment to a contract for the YMCA Urban Services Truancy Assessment and Resource Center. This is a a program between the YMCA urban services and the city for a not to exceed grant increase of approximately five point three million a one year extension to include a new term of July 1st 2013 through June 30th 2024
0: same house same call the resolution is adopted next item
1: item 12 resolution to approve the emergency declaration of the San Francisco Public Utilities Commission pursuant to administrative code section 6.60 to contract resources to perform sewer main water main and street repairs on Fillmore Street between Green Street and Union Street which were damaged by a water main failure uh, with a total estimated cost not to exceed 5 million
0: same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Next item.
1: Item 13. Resolution to accept a gift of design documents with an estimated value at approximately 1.2 million from the Friends of the Harvey Milk Plaza to assist public works in the redesign of the Harvey Milk Plaza and to affirm the CEQA determination.
0: Same house, same call. The resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you read 14 and 15 together?
1: Yes, items 14 and 15 comprise two resolutions that pertain to the Mission Rock Facilities and Services. Item 14 authorizes the issuance and sale of one or more series of special tax bonds for the special tax district number 2020-1 for approximately 58.3 million to be uh, repaid from development special taxes, the office special taxes and shoreline special taxes levied in tax zone number one of the special tax district as applicable to approve related documents, including an official statement, a second supplement to development special tax fiscal agent agreement, and uh, office special tax fiscal agent agreement, Shoreline tax zone number one special tax fiscal agent agreement the bond purchase agreement and continuing disclosure certificate and to interpret the rate and method of apportionment of the special tax. And item 15, this is a resolution to approve certain documents and actions related to a pledge agreement by the city, the infrastructure financing district number two, and development special tax bonds for uh, CCSF special tax district number 2020 1, and to determine other matters in connection with both items.
0: Same house, same call, the resolutions are adopted. Next item.
1: Item 16 was referred without recommendation from the Budget and Finance Committee. Item 16 is a resolution to approve a Fourth Amendment to a contract for the Japanese Community Youth Council opportunities for all intermediary program between the Japanese Community Youth Council and the city to increase the grant uh, by uh, approximately three million for a total not to exceed amount of 13.3 million uh, with no change to the grant term.
0: Supervisor Chan.
2: Thank you, President uh, Peskin Uh, colleagues. uh, This was voted out um, of the Budget and Finance Committee without Recommendation for very specific reasons Uh, This is not because we do not endorse the work that uh, Japanese Community Youth Council has done through the opportunities for all Uh, in fact, we are um, We are grateful for the for their service and for the last uh, decades um, for quite some time what this is though is that um, we we just to uh, as a reminder this came before us uh, in the past as an item that was uh, identified last just last year that um, You know the contract uh, in its totality really should have come to the board for approval um, So it was retroactive approval to start off with and then um, now that they're coming back for additional not to exceed um, because um, there seems to be a discrepancy in terms of data tracking between um, the Department um, of uh, Children, Youth and Their Families, uh, OEWD, our Office of Economic Workforce Development, and our Human Rights Commission. So finally they came together Uh, and provide the most up-to-date information to our budget and legislative analysts. Um, Though there's still questions, uh, it was uh, with that our budget and legislative analysts recommended an audit with our controller, which has, it's going to take place. there's also a new RFP uh, for this actually came out uh, this summer and we will see new results in 2024 um, all this is just so that we understand you know lessons learned from this specific uh, grant amendment and the dynamics that occur from this grant amendment that we want our city departments to figure out uh, structural changes uh, for the upcoming RFP so that we actually are do be- we do better to uh, track our data making sure that our youth and our nonprofit partners are actually pay um, with the dollar amount owed to them in time and before that you know, uh, and if necessary actually comes to the board for approval before we have to do it this way uh, in, you know, retroactively. With that, um, I do urge for your approval uh, for this item and that uh, the committee will continue to track um, not just this contract um, but also other contract with a similar situation, thank you.
0: All right, so it sounds like we can take this same house, same call, the resolution is adopted. Next item please
1: item 17 this is an ordinance to authorize settlement of the lawsuit filed by twilio inc against the city for 18 million this lawsuit involves a claim for refund of telephone users tax and access line taxes and related penalties and interest uh, for tax periods june 1st 2009 through and including december 31st 2018.
0: same house same call this ordinance is passed on first reading next item
1: item 18, uh, this is a, a, a charter amendment to amend the charter of the city and county of San Francisco to provide that the mayor must affirmatively approve in writing certain San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency proposals as part of the SFMTA's proposed budget or budget amendment. Proposals subject to the approval requirement include changes to fares, parking meter maximum rates, and hours or days of parking meter operation at an election to be held on March 5th,
0: 2024. Uh, The question is, shall this charter amendment be continued and seeing no names on the roster? Oh, Supervisor Safai, I can't read your mind. right. I don't even think you have to do that. I think the way the question is written, which says, shall this charter amendment be continued? I can take this same house, same call. The item is continued one week. Next item, please.
1: Item 19, this is a charter amendment, first draft, to amend the charter of the city and county of San Francisco to establish within the charter the Department of Emergency Management, the position of the director of the department, and the director's qualifications and appointing authority at an election to be held on March 5, 2024.
0: Same house, same call. This item is continued one week. Next item, committee reports please.
1: Yes. For the committee report item 20 was considered by the Land Use and Transportation Committee at a regular meeting on Monday, October 30th. Item 20 was not sent as a committee report. Next item. Items 21 and 22 were considered by the Rules Committee at a regular meeting on Monday, October 30th. Item 21 was also not forwarded to the board as a committee report. Item 22 was recommended as amended bearing a new title, striking the requirement for the police commission to hold annual meetings regarding community policing and foot and bike patrols. Item 22 is an ordinance to amend the administrative code to require the chief of police to adopt a foot and bike patrol strategy for the police department.
0: Supervisor Safai. Yeah, I wanted
3: to take a moment to talk about uh, item number 22, um, foot patrols, really appreciate All my co-sponsors, I think that I have Supervisor Peskin, Guardio, Walton, uh, Ronan, Stephanie, Dorsey, um, and Melgar, Chan, I think we almost have everybody uh, on board, sorry, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, (laughs) Supervisor Chan, thank you, Um, (laughs) for your early support. Um, But this is something, uh, colleagues, I think we've discussed for a number of years. I think all of us have wanted to see um, police presence back in the community, uh, regardless of the number of officers that we have within the department. Um, This is something that true community policing is building trust within the community, having presence within that community. Um, Supervisor Angardio asked for there to be also bike And so we did that, so thank you for that uh, suggestion. I think that was an oversight on our part. Appreciate that, so it's both foot and bike patrol. Um, But the truth is, colleagues, when police are present in the community, crime goes down. It's not about just arresting people, it's about knowing the community, knowing the patterns of the community, and having those that are there that are knowledgeable and can be present, so for the first time, This legislation will require, no longer urges, but it will require the chief to work with every single police captain in the city. And over the next two months they will come up with a plan. The resources are there. This will not require any additional resources. Right now it's optional. The money is there for optional foot patrols. We are saying the time has come for this to be required in every part of San Francisco not just selective parts of San Francisco. And we think this is the right thing to do at this moment. I wanna thank Supervisor Walton for the work that he and Supervisor Haney did a few years ago. We built on that. We amended this to make it uh, under the chief's purview, made it more present and, and current with the requests that are coming from today. I think this is going to have an immediate impact on what we're seeing and some of the trends that are in San Francisco having police and in the community doing true community policing um, will have a significant impact on San Francisco. So I want to thank all the co-sponsors. I want to thank uh, the chief and the commission for working with us. And um, I believe you know, once this happens beginning January 1, we'll begin to see some significant improvement in the way San Francisco is viewed and the way the community views the police. Lastly, I'll say, also, one of the things that we talked about yesterday, Supervisor Walton and myself, and Dor- is that there is a morale issue. There is a de- there is a desire to be part of this police department issue, and I think that once community or uh, officers are back in the community and interacting with the community on a daily basis, it will help to increase morale increase understanding from the police department and their interactions with the community. So I think this is overall going to have a significant uh, positive impact. Very happy to have worked on that. Happy that this will happen within the next couple of months as of January 1. We will see that and then ongoing there will be ongoing discussions at the Commission with the chief as those plans are presented on an annual basis. So with that colleagues uh, I look forward to your support or any further Uh, co-sponsors, if there are any.
0: Thank you, Supervisor. Seeing no names on the roster, colleagues, can we take this same house, same call? The ordinance is passed on first reading. Madam Clerk, let's go to roll call for introductions.
1: Supervisor Safaii is the first supervisor to introduce new business.
3: I have an in-memoriam that I'd like to read really quickly. Uh, Colleagues, Today I'd like to adjourn our meeting in memory of Jose Orlando Salazar, who passed away on October 15th, who was a long-standing resident of the Excelsior. Mr. Salazar was born in Lumberto, New Mexico on January 6th, 1931, to the parents of Virginia, Salazar Montoya and Jose Herman Salazar. After his father passed, when he was just a toddler, his stepfather took him and his mother and two brothers to Sinola, Mexico where their mother would raise them on their own. At a young age, he had to work. He and his brothers taught themselves how to read and write in Spanish and English, and he worked in the gold mines in Sinaloa, Sinaloa, sorry, which is where he met the love of his life, Maria Salazar. They had two children at the time. With the gold he put aside, he was able to save enough money to return to the United States to establish a new life for his family. He and his brothers later sent for his wife, kids, and mother. They made San Francisco their home, where he and Maria had four more children. He joined the Laborers Union Local 261 October 26, 1952, where he worked for 70-plus years, um, receiving a 70-year pin. Aside from the union, he worked many side jobs and would have his kids and nephew help him, teaching the value of hard work and determination. He was a hardworking man who fostered the importance of good work ethic to his children, nephews, nieces, and grandchildren. He was able to buy multiple homes for his family as well as to provide for his in-laws in Sinaloa, purchasing a meat market there so the family could thrive. Orlando was a loving and caring husband, father, grandfather, and uncle who put his family first. He loved spending time with family and was fun to be with, having a good sense of humor, knowing how to put a smile on people's face. In his final weeks at his home, his friends and family described him as happy, joking with family, dancing, and living with no regrets, proud of his family and the life he built. Orlando is survived by his wife of 74 years, six children, 10 grandchildren, and 26 great-grandchildren and 19 great-great-grandchildren. Wow. Wow. He also leaves behind a host of nieces, nephews, extended family, and longtime friends who will continue to cherish their memories of him and honor his strength, love, and legacy. With that, the rest I submit. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you,
1: Supervisor Safayi. Supervisor Stephanie. Submit. Thank you, Supervisor Walton. Submit. Thank you, Supervisor Chan. Submit. Thank you, Supervisor Dorsey.
4: Thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, Colleagues, I am today submitting a drafting request to the city attorney and the city controller that will continue an urgently needed conversation about the crisis of police understaffing in San Francisco. Um, The rules committee yesterday considered my proposed charter amendment to address police staffing with a measured evidence-based five-year plan. As you may be aware, the substantive core of that plan was amended um, over my objections. I won't relitigate that here, and I think we will have Ample opportunity as a Board of Supervisors to debate the merits of it, uh, what is now a completely reimagined version as amended. However, I heard a specific piece of feedback from a committee colleague yesterday that I think is worthwhile. Uh, Many times during the committee meeting, it was noted that significant provisions of the proposed measure, um, those tying real dollars to otherwise uh, empty words on paper, did not need to be in a ballot measure uh, because the mayor and also this Board of Supervisors on any given Tuesday, Um, could enact them. So taking that advice to heart and in the spirit of honoring ideas put forward by colleagues and others at yesterday's meeting, I'm submitting a drafting request to the controller and the city attorney that proposes to accomplish two things. One, to create a police full staffing fund capable of receiving revenues for the explicit purposes identified in the original proposal. And two, a reappropriation of $8.4 million in the current fiscal year budget to support more competitive police recruiting as described in the full staffing fund. That's about one, that is one half the amount contemplated in the proposed charter amendment representing one half the current fiscal year, and that is to move with the urgency this crisis deserves. I think San Franciscans are well served by a vigorous debate over whether and how to accomplish police full staffing expeditiously, uh, and I plan to submit similar me- a similar measure in the future to discuss uh, funding recruitment for next fiscal year. Um, I look forward to introducing a drafted version of this um, ordinance at next week's board meeting and the rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Dorsey. Supervisor Rangardio.
5: <laughs> Colleagues,
0: on this Halloween day, I am dressed as the character Joy from the movie Inside Out. My staff is dressed as the other characters of the movie. Um, it takes all the emotions to deal with the challenges we face in San Francisco. But we must always lead with joy. I know we need to lay foundations of good foundations for public safety, for education, for housing, uh, for our local economy. And we're going to do this so all San Franciscans can have joyful lives. So as we do this hard work, let's celebrate the joy that already exists in San Francisco as we create more. Thank you. The rest I submit.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Supervisor (laughs) Engardio. Supervisor Mandelman.
5: I have no joy, no. (laughs) I have joy. That that is true. I have a a charter reform drafting request, everybody, (laughs) Uh, as well as a resolution I'm introducing. So first, on the uh, charter reform drafting request, We have asked the City Attorney's Office to prepare an effective governance charter reform package for the November 2024 ballot uh, in the hopes of delivering more accountable decision making at City Hall and more effective administration of city departments. As you may have noticed, there has been quite a bit of talk of charter reform of late. In August, the Claremont McKenna College's Rose Institute of State and Local Government released a report outlining expansive reforms to the city charter to expand mayoral powers and reform the city's election ballot measure and commission system systems separately some advocates have floated a 2024 charter amendment to change how the city's redistricting task force is selected and votes to approve districts that elect the board of supervisors while former supervisor state senator and judge quinton Kopp has offered his own measure to provide for citywide election of district supervisors and recently spur initiated its own process to review the city charter and will presumably at some point issue its own set of proposed reforms. The concern that our city government is deeply broken is of course not new. It was 15 years ago that Joe Eskenazi labeled San Francisco the worst run big city in the United States. However, Um, It has seemed to me that the hunger for a better governed city is palpable and broadly felt today in ways that create new opportunities to take a look at our city charter and consider better ways of doing things. To that end, I and my staff have been having conversations with lots of smart folks inside this building and outside the building over the last several months, probably longer than that to try to identify a set of reforms that might be able to win broad support in City Hall and with voters and leave our city government in better shape to actually do the work that our people expect. Um, We have six concepts. Um, The first four, I believe, are baked. Uh, The last two are continuing to be uh, processed and considered and um, shaped by stakeholders. Um, the first is uh, to repeal a prohibition on deputy mayors that exists uh, in the charter, has for many decades. Um, it envisions a, uh, a mayoral administration that sits back and allows commissions and the city administrator and other elected officials to uh, to govern the city without any kind of central uh, oversight from a mayor's office. Now. I actually think we do need an executive uh, in the city and I think it makes sense to have that person able to use people like deputy mayors. Um, And so I think at the very least, we should take that prohibition out. Um, So I'm proposing that we do that. second. Um, I'm proposing that we allow the mayor the authority to fire the directors of most of the departments uh, that are currently overseen by commissions. Um, We uh, talk about how we have a strong mayor system, in many ways we do, this is certainly not a city administrator or county administrator uh, system. Um, But we do check the powers of the mayor, and in many ways, that's important. Um, The charter's check on the mayor's authority to unilaterally hire department heads is intended to deter nepotism and cronyism, and a shared appointment process can help elevate a diverse pool of qualified candidates. However, providing the mayor with the ability to uh, get rid of directors of departments within the executive branch would I think clarify the chain of command and allow a mayor to act quickly when that mayor felt a change in leadership was needed. Third, um, I believe that it makes sense to allow the mayor to veto board of supervisors appointments to commissions that have split appointments on bodies where the mayor can already reject uh, mayoral appointments. Whereas the Board of Supervisors can block mayoral appointments to boards and commissions, the, currently, the mayor currently has no such re- reciprocal check on board appointments. I think it would make sense and create balance to have some reciprocity there, um, and I'm hoping that a majority of you will agree. Um, fourth, uh, the Board of Supervisors is the legislative body of the city and county of San Francisco. Um, I think it makes sense for us to do the work of legislating, and yet our charter, provides for a minority of this body to go to the voters with initiative ordinance, allows the mayor to go to the vo- voters with initiative ordinances, I think we should do our job of legislating inside city hall. And so we are propose- I am proposing um, that, we, uh, that we take away this city hall uh, business of putting initiatives to the voters to weigh in on. There still will be a check. Um, if uh, if the voters see that City Hall can't get something done, there's still the power of uh, of, of voter initiative. But I think it would behoove us and increase collegiality and reduce uh, gamesmanship uh, inside this building to um, have the board pass legislation, um, but not be putting this off on onto the onto the voters. Fifth. Um, I think we all recognize uh, that we have a plethora of commissions and oversight bodies and they only seem to grow over time. I think uh, Supervisor Engardio has, uh, has looked at this problem but lots of people have identified this problem and we have no framework for, uh, for tr- uh, trimming that or streamlining that and over time, they're just, I think, gonna grow. Um, there's a cost to the city uh, and city staff of having this abundance of oversight bodies and in, uh, and in many cases, I don't think we actually get the benefits that people think we're going to get from more oversight. Um, I don't think it curbs corruption, I don't think it actually necessarily leads to more transparency or better decision-making and uh, often it is wasteful, inefficient, and duplicative. So I'm hoping that this measure can describe a regular process to streamline these bodies which will tend to proliferate over time. We're currently working with the city attorney and stakeholders to hone in on exactly how this commission, this commission or task force stream, that is streamlining commissions would work, Um, but uh, we're hoping to get that finalized soon. And then the last concept, Um, that uh, we're asking the city attorney to help us think through um, is a potential expansion of the definition of a local emergency or identification of a new new category that would allow us to take some of the benefits we got from declaring an emergency around COVID to allow us to address some of our challenges around homelessness uh, and street conditions and drug overdoses and other things that may not necessarily be new um, but may be presenting great challenges that exceed our current capacity to respond. This is a hard one, um, probably is going to respond, will require a lot of conversations with a lot of folks, potentially including organized labor, but uh, we're going to give it a little try for a few weeks and see if we can we can narrow that one down. So that's my list, uh, it's not going to be the end all and be all of charter reform, it I fully expect that many other folks over the next months may be introducing or uh, floating their ideas about charter reform. I recognize that trying to do this in a mayoral election year is, is going to be hard, and it may be that we're just setting the table for uh, a measure in 2026. But I hope uh, and think we can go a long way to making our government make more sense for whoever's mayor or sits on the board after next year. Um, and I want to thank Ross Green in my office for his work on this over these past months, I want to thank um, our our city controller, Ben Rosenfield, our city administrator, Carmen Chu, our board president, Aaron Peskin, uh, Sean Ellsburn, and Andres Power from the mayor's office, our uh, Ed Harrington uh, of of great wisdom and many commissions and many jobs in city government, and many, many others who've talked to me um, over these last few months and helped help me at least think through some of these notions. My mentioning that these people is not in any way to suggest that any or all of them think that any of this is a good idea, although I hope um, that they will, and I am hoping that our ongoing conversations can further refine and finalize a consensus measure that we can all feel good about, and more importantly, that the electorate will feel good about in November. And finally, I do want to thank our Deputy City Attorney Ann Pearson um, for her attention and uh, collaboration uh, as we try to work through these issues. Secondly, colleagues, today I am introducing a resolution to recognize United Against Hate Week 2023, which will be held November 12th through 18th. United Against Hate Week emerged from a United Against Hate poster campaign in response to white supremacist rallies in Berkeley and San Francisco in 2017. Uh, This board has considered uh, uh, United Against Hate Week resolutions in other years. It is an annual event aimed at promoting unity, understanding, and the rejection of hate and discrimination. The observance seems particularly timely now as we've seen a a rising tide of anti-Semitic, anti-Arab, and Islamophobic hate speech, property damage, and violence around the world, in the Bay Area, and even in our own city. United Against Hate Week provides an opportunity for San Francisco to join Californians across the state to stand against hate and bigotry and to celebrate our shared commitment to inclusion and acceptance. I want to thank Supervisors Melgar, Peskin, Walton, Dorsey, Ronan, and Guardio for signing on as co-sponsors of this resolution uh, and respectfully ask for your support and the rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Mandelman. Mr. President.
0: Let's go to our 2.30 special order of commendation and hear more from Supervisor Mandelman.
5: Thank you, President Peskin. Um, Dr. Fromer, come on up. Find yourself a spot by a microphone. Dr. Gina Fromer has devoted her significant energies and talents to San Francisco families and communities since her childhood in Bayview-Hunters Point. With more than 40 years of experience leading nonprofits and neighborhood organizations working to end poverty and food insecurity and advocating for children and families, her career has touched thousands of people, young and old, across the city. A sixth generation San Franciscan, my (laughs) goodness, uh, Dr. Frommer began her community work as a counselor for young community developers. From there, she moved to the Potrero Hill Neighborhood House while studying for a psychology degree at SF State and raising three sons. Looking for an opportunity to work with families, she next went to work for the San Francisco Head Start program. Her career at the YMCA began in 2000, and during her time as Regional Executive Director, she raised over $8.5 million for the Bayview YMCA Capital Campaign to complete the building of the Bayview Hunters Point Y. She rose through the Y's ranks to become District Vice President, overseeing the Bayview, Buchanan, and Mission branches, which serve over 15,000 families. As California State Director at the Trust for Public Land, Gina created new parks in park-poor neighborhoods in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And as CEO of the San Francisco Education Fund, she directed community volunteer programs, educator grants, and student scholarships to help public school students succeed. In 2019, Gina became the CEO of the Children's Council, which has been at the heart of childcare and early education in San Francisco for more than 45 years. I imagine she had no idea what she was taking on and what was coming. As the COVID-19 pandemic exacerbated existing challenges and widened inequalities to early childhood care and education, Gina with her committed team of 135 staff continued to support children, families, and educators throughout San Francisco. Her leadership saw the Children's Council nearly triple its budget during her five-year tenure and she's left a legacy that will allow the Children's Council to continue advancing expanded and one day universal early childhood education for all. This month, uh, Dr. Fromer started a new job as CEO of Glide, where she will be launching Glide Forward, a strategy to grow the organization's impact in the Tenderloin and throughout San Francisco. The plan will bring together the community and congregation around direct services, social justice, and spiritual healing. Coming out of the pandemic and facing the current challenges of the Tenderloin, Glide will be in great hands with Gina at the helm. Her long and continuing career deserves commendation, and I am proud to add to the chorus recognizing Dr. Gina Fromer for, in her own words, empowering people to advocate for themselves, to create the social justice and social change needed to change the world. Um, we want to thank you, Gina, for everything you've done and will continue to do for San Francisco. Now, I got to do this because Children's Council is located in District 8. That's my only claim on this, and I <laughs> can see by uh, the folks who are beginning to populate the roster that my colleagues um, want also to, um, to honor you.
0: Melgar. Fromer. Dr. Fromer. Nope. Oh, oh, Melgar. Melgar. I'm sorry, Supervisor <laughs> Melgar.
6: Thank you so much, President Peskin. I'm going to try not to cry, Gina, uh, my dear friend. um, You've had a tough year this year, um, and uh, I love you and admire you so much. Um, I think... It was a really good overview by my colleague uh, of your career. Um, You are, of course, my Emerge sister. We graduated together from Emerge and went through boot camp (laughs) for women in that way, and and we bonded uh, out of a love for San Francisco and uh, the issues that affect women. Um, One thing I wanted to highlight in your long and illustrious career is that I think you saved childcare in San Francisco. Uh, during the pandemic, you made a crucial decision to, um, along with uh, uh, Maria Su, our director of DCYF, to keep paying subsidies uh, to uh, childcare providers who provide uh, low, you know, uh, childcare for low income. Uh, children, uh, even though they were under-enrolled or didn't meet certain criteria that in usual times would have made them ineligible to keep getting payments, had it not been for that many, many more of our child care slots would have disappeared in San Francisco. And that was your uh, strategic quick thinking and timing, but also what you've done throughout your career, uh, which is you know, amazing brains and smarts coupled with a deep love for the community and an understanding of what community needs based on your own personal experience. So uh, even though I am bummed that we're losing you from the child care world, and I know many of of the women sitting here in the audience are here because they believe in you and your leadership and what you've done for universal childcare in our city. Um, but, you know, we'll get you it, Glide, um, and your uh, amazing intellect and your heart will continue, um, you know, just... Making sure that there is that safety net and infrastructure to catch people in San Francisco who are falling through the cracks But I also want to tell you that you know many of us who admire and love you will also continue to support you and be there for you in your next step because we believe in you and um, I'm so glad you're getting this award. Uh, It is well-deserved And you are just a rock star. Thank you
0: Thank You Supervisor Supervisor Walton
2: Thank you President Peskin and thank you Supervisor Mendelman for honoring Dr. Fromer. Uh, I just wanted to add to the course and just really say how much I respect you and have had the opportunity to actually watch and learn from you over the past couple of decades and really want to know if there's a job that you can't do um, <laughs> because you most certainly have tackled a lot of work in our, our service community here in San Francisco. and so as a fellow Bayview native, just proud to have experienced your work, uh, proud to continue to be able to work with you, and just wanna thank you for your service, and you most certainly deserve to be acknowledged here this afternoon. Thank you, Supervisor
0: Walton. Supervisor Safai. Thank you, President Peskin. Thank you, Supervisor
3: Mandelman, for honoring Dr. Fromer today. Uh, I just wanna add my voice to the chorus. I think the thing that I have admired about you is you've been such a strong role model and voice for female entrepreneurs, many of whom predominantly women of color, and what it means to traverse the environment of San Francisco and be successful. And you've empowered so many people. I've, I've been faithfully at your childcare champions uh, luncheon and all the work that you've done, and just seeing how much faith and confidence uh, you've instilled in so many women and entrepreneurs and business owners across San Francisco that are predominantly providing childcare and helping working families. So I just wanted to say thank you. I'm so happy to, that we're honoring you here today and that you're going on to you know, one of the most important institutions in San Francisco. And you'll continue that legacy work. And so we'll continue to work together. Uh, thank you for everything that you've done. And again, thank you, Supervisor Mandelman, for honoring Dr. Frommer.
0: Thank you, Supervisor Dr. Stromer.
7: Wow. I, I think this year was a tough year for me. I thought I thought I was going to have some tears today, but I'm a little teared out. I lost my husband July 1. And so, um, but he was an amazing contributor to our city and, and the love of children as well. Thank you, Board of Supervisors, especially Melgar and Mandelman. I, you know, when you're a humble leader, you, you kind of just get in there and do the work. You don't really care about recognition, but it's nice to have it. <laughs> Today, as I go forward to one of the most important roles, I think, in my career to really help San Francisco heal from the ten- tenderloin outward, and that's why I'm here. As a young mom, I remember um, walking into Children's Council, like desperate, you know, my three babies, I was pregnant actually with my two, but it was three, I count them all, and saying, I need help, I need childcare. I want to go back to work and go to school, and this woman came out and hand me a brochure for this place uh, in my neighborhood, and my kids went there, so I was able to go on my journey because I had the help of Children's Counsel and so many thousands of women and men, you know, get on that journey for childcare, and they need support. You know, you guys have kids. It's a childcare journey. It's a hard journey to navigate. Where am I going to send my child? Is it safe? You know, who's gonna pick them up? I mean, it's just trying to work from nine to five and you know, babies don't have a nine to five schedule. So children's council, we work on, they've worked on for 50 years. I just came along at a time of the journey when they needed me around COVID and making sure that the city leans into its commitment for childcare. And, 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 you know, I'm looking at all of the people that I come to the office with Naima, (laughs) knocking on your door saying, you guys have to make sure Prop C passes. Protect Prop C. It is not just for you and me, it's for the future of our children. You know, the mission of Children's Council is to advocate for quality early care and education, empower families with information and financial support, and build the capabilities of educators to ensure every child in San Francisco is able to reach their full potential. I was there almost five years. I walked in an $85 million budget and walked out with $240 million. It sounds like a lot, but that's stewarded money, your money going back to community, back to community. That's, that's what's supposed to happen. We steward these dollars back to community, to families who need it every day. I'm so proud of the accomplishments that we had. I've had at Children's Council. You know, now walking into my new challenge as the president and CEO for GLIDE, I'm confident that Children's Council staff is going to keep going and keep the organization going forward because it's about the foundation that has been laid, and I'm so proud of all of you all. The organization is in a strong position, and I know it will go forward to be a force for the childcare ecosystem. Now it glide. Dorsey, mm-hmm. you and me. <laughs> My personal journey continues. I'm blessed to pursue um, you know, a vision that CISO and Jan had to be on their shoulders and carry that forward. That's an important role for San Francisco. And whatever my role is, for whatever time I'm here, I'm gonna do my best to, to move GLIDE's mission to create a radically inclusive, just and loving community, mobilized to alleviate suffering, and break the cycles of poverty and marginalization. I think the break the cycle of poverty is what I'm really excited about. We need to break the pipeline, interrupt the pipeline to poverty in San Francisco. And that means go, going further upstream with our new childcare center, with our new Family Resource Center, We're gonna be working with families earlier on so they don't end up on the street. We need to stop that, and that's what GLIDE can do. I'm bringing my passion for developing innovative programs that meet the greater needs of San Francisco. Wherever I go, this is core in the work I love as I continue to fight for a more diverse, inclusive, and just society. I am fiercely committed to finding a way to be the change I wanna see in our city, in our world. Thank you, supervisors, Pesk and I worked with when I was at the Trust for Public Land, uh, you know, uh, Safai, I worked with you when I was a director over at uh, Ocean View Park. I've touched a lot of you all in different, in different ways and I really appreciate you all for honoring me today. Um, it really really, it really means a lot to me. And Dorsey, I'll be on your calendar soon. <laughs> and I will be connecting with all of you in some way. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Dr. <laughs> Farmer. Madam Clerk, let's go back to roll call for introductions.
1: We'll pick right back up with Supervisor Melgar. Submit, thank you. Supervisor Peskin. Submit. Submit, thank you. And Supervisor Ronan.
8: Thank you, colleagues. Um, today I have two items. First, I just want to mention that the timing of uh, this item is, the first item is interesting. Um, because despite the fact that the board has appropriated over $140 million in the last two years to SFPD, Supervisor Dorsey continues to push for more. Meanwhile, we have had a growing number of vacancies. We're up to 144 in our beleaguered behavioral health program at DPH, and we have not heard a word, and that is very telling. So today, I am introducing a resolution calling on the mayor's office and the Department of Human Resources to initiate an emergency hiring plan with recruitment and retention incentives for behavioral health care workers in order to fill our growing city employee vacancy and vacancies at city contracted providers. These are vacancies for critical positions that address the current mental health and drug addiction crises we are facing in our city and that are limiting the ability of the Department of Public Health to successfully address the growing overdose epidemic in our community. There is currently an unprecedented national workforce shortage of behavioral health workers, exacerbated over the past several years in San Francisco by the high cost of living. As the need for behavioral health workers on the entire spectrum of care has skyrocketed since the COVID-19 pandemic, more and more people are retiring from the field burning out due to untenable caseloads, and or leaving the public and nonprofit sectors for more competitive pay and benefits in the, in the private sector. Some of our city contracted organizations providing behavioral health services to our city's most acute individuals are experiencing vacancy rates as high as 30 to 40%. Within our own departments, DPH's Behavioral Health Services has 144 vacancies. These workforce shortages are hindering our ability to provide individuals experiencing severe mental and behavioral health crises with vital services and access to desperately needed medical care. The shortage of data analysts is making it impossible for policymakers to evaluate the success or lack thereof of dozens of interventions at work to address this crisis. Despite this widely acknowledged workforce shortage, San Francisco has not implemented any recruitment or retention incentives for any behavioral health worker in order to address the high vacancies at the city and provider levels. At the same time, we've bent over backwards for the San Francisco Police Department to help address their vacancies recruitment and retention concerns. As I mentioned, since 2022, the board has approved an infusion of $149 million into police department to help sustain their staffing levels, fund recruitment incentives, and increase retention bonuses. At the same time, we have made zero investment in increasing the workforce of behavioral health professionals. At this point, I think it's fair to say the mayor's office has been playing games with San Franciscans, despite lives hanging in the balance. On one hand, she says she supports mental and behavioral health investments to address public health issues that are present every day on our streets. She says she supports tested and effective public health interventions, including safe consumption sites and treatment on demand. But words have no meaning if actions don't align. Instead of opening the overdose prevention centers that we allocated funding for in the budget, focusing on the expansion of our treatment services or prioritizing funding to pay, recruit, and retain the behavioral health workers who are actually skilled in addressing the overdose catastrophe, she is taking a law enforcement-heavy response to this crisis, the main strategy in effect in this nation for close to a century that has only led to an ever-worsening crisis that we see today. It's time for all of us to re-watch The Wire. It's been a while since you've all seen The Wire, I'm sure, but if you watch it, I think it is the most brilliant depiction of the abject failure of the war on drugs, the war on drugs that we're reinstituting re- uh, uh, in San Francisco. The mayor's ballot measure designed to punish substance users enrolled in general assistance programs is the War on Drugs 2.0. Arresting substance users on the street and throwing them in jail just to be re-released into the same conditions they were living before being arrested is the War on Drugs 2.0. Dumping hundreds of millions of dollars into the police department without fully staffing the health department is War on Drugs 2.0. When will we learn that making the same mistakes over and over again will never produce different results? This needs to stop now. We need to stop trying to address a public health issue with criminalization and law enforcement, and we need to start spending our money effectively, prioritizing initiatives that address the root causes of poverty and addiction. Moreover, we must begin to fully fund and support our healthcare workers who have been and continue to save lives on our streets every single day. I'm calling on the mayor's office and the Department of Human Resources to implement an emergency hiring plan that includes incentives for recruitment and retention of our behavioral health workers so we can finally start addressing the root causes of the crisis experienced by some of our city's poorest residents. I want to thank Supervisors Walton, Peskin, Preston, Chan, Melgar, and Safai for their early co-sponsorship, and I look forward to continuing this conversation uh, in a more balanced uh, way, and talking about healthcare workers and not just police for every problem we have in the city. Secondly, colleagues, today I will be joining the mayor uh, in in introducing an ordinance to extend extend the sunset date of authorizing the Department of Homelessness and uh, Supportive Housing to enter into and amend contracts without requiring competitive bidding for services related to sites and programs for people experiencing homelessness. When we first passed this ordinance in April of 2019, we had a goal of reducing homelessness below 5,250 people. Uh, Despite some progress, we unfortunately have not achieved this goal, and this waiver has been critical to opening new sites in an expedited manner to get people off the streets and uh, living in temporary dignified and long-term housing. I hope you'll uh, join me in extending um, this uh, sunset date and the rest I submit.
1: Thank you, Supervisor Ronan. And seeing no other names on the roster, that concludes the introduction of new business.
0: All right, let's go to general public comment.
1: All right. At this time, the board welcomes general public comment from those of you who are here in the chamber. You may speak to the approval of the September 26 board meeting minutes, or item 25 on the for adoption without reference to committee. All other content on the agenda has been reported out by an appropriate committee where public comment occurred. Uh, you may also speak to general matters that are not on today's agenda but those matters must be within the board's subject matter jurisdiction and so that i don't have to interrupt you please make sure you are addressing your comments to the board as a whole thank you and let's hear from our speaker welcome
9: hi i don't feel too good today because the skies don't feel too good you had to watch the skies Otherwise, it's going to be the future part two from SF, which is not science fiction, it's real, the future. It concerns all of us. uh, About the skies, yeah, remember, they watch you 24-7. So, there is no God, it's just the skies, just they watch you. So, the future is that humanity must be united. Otherwise, we can't face the challenge that humanity is going to have to face. There is something, I can't tell you what it is, because I'm not allowed to tell you. It's gonna be step by step using this inappropriate system of two minutes that, uh, you know, doesn't make a difference between quality and quantity. That's no good in the future, you have to be more. Okay, um, there is, the, I'm gonna stop this for the, on the future. The problem we are dealing with is a, is a problem of education. It's very easy to understand. We all know that. We have all been miseducated. It goes back about three centuries ago. So here, uh, let's give an example. You see puppet shows? That's the heart of more and more puppets. It's for kids from two to six, that's it. After that, it's elementary school. So here, we are witnessing a puppet show. So it's not for adults, puppets are for children, kids. So you have to grow up and address the thing as adults, we are not puppets. So I don't, it's, like, it's elementary school, guys. So last thing, no weaponization of anything in the future. It's not allowed by the skies. One thing, be aware, when you use your smartphone here, you are taking parts of the weaponization of technology here. So be careful because so, very soon you're done. So pay attention, no more than one or two hours per day.
1: Merci. Next speaker, please.
9: Good
10: fucking afternoon. My name is Jordan. My pronouns are she, her, and they, them. Louder in the back. She, her, and they, them. I want to say I'm sick and tired of city employees and their contractors maliciously misgendering people. And I think that any motherfucker that intentionally or maliciously misgenders people should be fucking fired. Civil service and union protections be damned. I have one city employee who I'm not going to name, an auditor who is misgendered and stalked me on Twitter and, this, and also complains on Twitter about trans sensitivity training. And this goes to a greater point. I think that the discourse around public safety is getting really heated. Instead of constructive solutions that create public safety for all of us and not just wealthy assholes, there's this performative bullshit that keeps happening, and this is being the harassment by right-wingers in San Francisco of myself and others. I, a disabled trans femme, personally have been stalked unconsensually photographed outside the political arena and have gotten death threats, including a threat to kill me with fire from a state worker, a threat of dog mauling from a newspaper editor, and a gun violence threat from a certain Stephanie Superfan. I've screenshots, and I blame this whole shit on the moderates who egg this shit on with their political masturbation. On Mandelman's horse's ass charter reform, Fuck that shit. Unless you switch the city to a council manager system like San Jose and nearly every other city and all other 57 counties in this beautiful state where I plan to live the rest of my life and and have an elected auditor controller instead of an appointed controller like 54 other counties in the state, we will never have good government. You all fucking claim that SF is a global city but you don't care about any good idea that's predominant within 100 miles of this city. What the fuck is wrong, with you people? So, in some nation, yay democracy. Fuck the mayoral dictatorship. I am a California girl. I yield my time. Fuck you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please.
11: Just gonna wait for it to reset. Okay. Uh, hello, my name is Leah McGeever. I live live in uh, D6, and um. Uh, you know, I, I want to continue still reading The protect, uh, Protection of Transgender, Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, and Queer Youth and Adults. Um, but yeah, this last week has been really rough being a trans activist here in San Francisco, um, peggy, piggybacking off of what Jordan was talking about. And while I'm just like reading through this, I'm just like, I didn't expect when my wife came out as trans in December, 2021, and I quickly got on board and and learned as quickly as I could, you know, where I was ignorant of, of what that meant to be trans Um, and, you know, started showing up and being vocal about educating people and protecting trans kids and fighting against the tide of this transphobia and all these laws that are passing. In this country, I really didn't expect to be so attacked by local San Franciscans, even those in City Hall who hide behind anonymous online social media accounts and say vile, horrid things about me and Jordan. And I mean, I don't know why they aren't attacking cis men if transphobia isn't the problem or homophobia isn't the problem, misogyny isn't the problem. Um, so just, it's really draining. It's not fun. Um, but it's like the most important thing. One of the most important things that I can be fighting for right now. And I really wish everyone here would understand that and really take that to heart. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please.
12: Good afternoon, board. My name is Jay Connor B. Ortega, and I'm co-president of Iconic D3. I want to take this time to have the supervisors mute their mics, lest our vices do the talking for us. Now, I am impressed with all the spooky Halloween costumes you all chose today. Successful leaders is not a costume that ever goes out of style. Now, a friend of mine came to visit me here in SF and thought all the tents, drug addicts, homeless, and drug dealers was the city's attempt of having the spookiest Halloween. I told him, no, that's what the city looks like on daily and getting worse, but with a glimmer of hope. I'm glad to see the city being cleaned up quickly in time for APEC, and to show the Asian Pacific leaders that we are in a complete mess. Just when the board doesn't feel it's important to keep the city clean and in order, the question I have is why can't we have clean streets, no tents, no drug dealers, not anywhere or everywhere. But like I said the last week, just like all your neighborhoods and city every day. And supervisors, the day you all support treatment instead of drug dens is when we can properly address mental illness, especially when it comes to drug addiction. What brings me joy, even as co-president of Iconic D3, is we are seeing and going to be organizing new ballot initiatives to break the control of this board. What should bring you fear is the people of San Francisco are losing, if not already, lost faith in the board and are recognizing the needs to either elect better leaders or redesign how our city government is structured. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. Next speaker, please.
13: Hi, everyone. Nice to see some some friendly faces. Um, I'm going to talk. My name is Dimitri Yakushkin. I'm in D8. I was going to talk about the police staffing issue, but Supervisor Ronan, you nailed it. That was, that was awesome. Um, you know, um, in very recently a study was concluded that did a systematic review of 62 studies of law enforcement staffing as it relates to crime rates. Now it was conclusive and I'll read what they wrote. Um, The overall effect for police force size on crime is negative, small, and not statistically significant. Now these authors of this study, they're criminologists. These studies were conducted across the political spectrum. They're, they were in part conducted by law enforcement or law enforcement adjacent funding. The authors went out of their way to write in conclusion, this line of research has exhausted its utility changing police strategy is likely to have a greater impact on crime than adding more police now maybe you're not a data person you're an anecdote person i've got a great anecdote portland oregon has exactly half as many police as we have to the to the decimal point and they have the exact same crime rate to the decimal point fifty four point four violent crimes per ten thousand people Now, i know that you have constituents to answer to i know that you're representatives and you have to go and say hey these data show that you are safe. I know you don't feel safe, but these data show that you are, that you are safe. But you also have a duty to, to make things safer. You have a duty to, to show I am going to make things safer. Police staffing isn't it. We need behavioral health. 17% of SF's homeless, 17% of them are employed. How about we start there and house some people? So there's a lot we can do with this money for this city to make it safer. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. As the next speaker approaches the podium, if there's anyone else in the chamber who'd like to provide general public comment, please line up now to your right. Welcome.
14: Thank you. I would like to apply for the three minutes instead of the two minutes.
1: I'm setting your timer for two minutes.
14: Um, yes, And it's, if you apply, you can have a consensus of the supervisors to agree to give me three minutes. I need the three minutes please.
1: Ma'am, you can see that I have a lot that to say. I timer been here in about started.
14: 5 or 6 years and the last time I implemented the essential trips for the seniors. Oh. I I believe that uh, ma'am we, the podium we could have a vote.
1: timer is ticking you have a minute 33 left.
14: Here I stand with my head back in my hand wondering what on earth I have done wrong. There's a cloud that has sh- overshadowed me. Take the light from my eyes, I cannot see. Somebody tell me to fight on, brave warrior. Last week I was kidnapped. I was tortured. I was beaten. I was terrorized. And it was done by shrinks at the Sutter House Hospital. All my property has been taken. I have been 40 years in the trenches in this town. I know how to fix it. I have 17 years of college and a genius IQ, but I have had only obstruction. Everything that I own has recently been taken. I've been to Preston to ask for help. I've been to the police, the the sheriff's obstructive justice, with five broken bones and severe brain damage, and nobody on my team I fight on. I ask for people that want to help to make this a safe place for me and other people to make sure there is security and not, you know, uh, supposable uh, uh, security. My number is 408-516-7759 If there are any attorneys that want to fight with me and other people who would like to join in So that the good guys are winning and not always the bad guys, please help
1: Thank you for your comment right, Mr. Duffy
5: Mr. President uh, I. I like the idea of look, looking at issues in the city and things that have been chronically problematic for years, like homelessness and trying to think of a different way of doing, doing it. I, I like that idea, charter reform. I don't know exactly how it would work out. I know we have other problems like homelessness or, or, or corruption <laughs> uh, involving the garbage company <laughs> that are you know quite long term that we could be re- working on. For example, uh, problems like, uh, when has the Federal Reserve ever controlled inflation, when? Or, or when has the United Nations ever stopped any kind of wars from happening?
13: Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. All right, This is looking like the last speaker. Unless there's anyone else in line who hasn't spoken, please line up to your right. Welcome.
15: Uh, good afternoon, Board of, Board of Supervisors. First of all, I wanted to thank the two police officers that... Um, chased after those people that were throwing bombs in the city, so great job to them. Um, It's really nice that we have public safety looking out for us, so great job to the police department. Um, The second thing I wanted to talk about is um, when doing my research, I noticed something that everybody everyone in here the Board of Supervisors should be aware of. So I'm looking at the CDC port quarantine stations and San Francisco and Northern California is linked to Wyoming and I don't think anybody in here wants Wyoming influencing our decisions in San Francisco. So you definitely want to take a look at that because that's what's happening. It's even worse when you look at Los Angeles, LAX. Um, They cover Nevada, Utah, and Colorado. So anybody that's traveling to Nevada, Las Vegas, Utah, um, if they're from San Francisco, they bring back that influence. And that's probably where all your problems are coming from. Um, Texas is even much worse. It's three different states influence Texas. So definitely something that everyone in this room should take a look at. Again, it's a CDC quarantine stations, um, especially with COVID um, lingering COVID. Um, these people have influence over public health, public safety. So again, I urge you each, each and every single one of the board of supervisors to take a look at that. Thank you.
1: Thank you for your comments. All right, Mr. President.
0: note noted all right we heard we heard you we're good all right are there any other members of the public who would like to testify for general public comment that that's it you're done thank you ma'am all right seeing no other members of the public for general public comment public comment is closed madam clerk could you please read the adoption without committee reference calendar
1: yes item 25 this uh, this Item was introduced for adoption without reference to committee, a unanimous vote is required for adoption of this resolution on first reading today. Alternately, a member may request this resolution to go to committee. Item 25, resolution to urge the San Francisco Department of Elections to report back on the implementation of Assembly Bill Number 57 for the 2024
0: elections. Seeing no names on the roster, same house, same call, the resolution is adopted. Madam Clerk, could you please read the immemoria?
1: Yes, today's meeting will be adjourned in memory of the following beloved individual on behalf of Supervisor Safaii, for the late Jose Orlando Salazar.
0: We are adjourned.